Good evening. My name is Barney Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to book club number 25. And today we are going to discuss a, a book that I fell into, and I forget how I fell into it, but I just finished it up a couple weeks ago. Basketball Analytics Spatial Tracking by Stephen Shea, PhD. And uh, it's, a, it's a really, really, uh, it's one of the first breakdowns of analytics and, and shot selection and how to break down the, the game of basketball through statistics. This book was written around 2000. 12, no, probably 14, 2014, and uh, it, it really came around at the right time where teams were really discovering what we kind of now refer to today as modern basketball, and especially with the, with the thought process behind the use of the three-point shot. And so I'm going to hit some highlights with this, and I have actually emailed uh, Dr. Shea to see if he would be willing to come on the podcast. So if you're listening, Dr. Shea, I would love to have you on here. Uh, I, I think it'd be a great discussion to have. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to take a look at some of the key themes uh, to this book. And uh, some of this stuff we cannot use at the high school level. I'll be the first one to admit it. This, this is a, an NBA study. Uh, they have the ability to take this information and break it down on a much greater scale than we would ever hope to do at the high school level or even at the collegiate level in large part. But I think there's some some themes that we can take from this book and apply it to our programs. The first of all, uh, the first thing is uh, Shea says we need to understand efficiency. Efficiency is... Uh, and he talks about this, and I'll read uh, directly a quote here. Each game, uh, each game, a basketball team only gets so many possessions, takes so many shots, and has so many defensive sets. Ultimately, it's the team that is the most efficient with their resources that wins the game. Efficiency is production per opportunity. So Shea's major thesis, if you were to look at any stat that is the most valuable one, it would be points per possession. And Offensively, you want to average more points per possession than you do on defense. You also have to take a look at uh, other things. Uh, the the mid-range shot, he talks a lot about shot selection. Um, and what shots are the most popular shots and where they should come from. He says the most efficient shot, actually... The, the most efficient shot in the game of basketball is the free throw. You know, if if you shoot 70% from the free throw line, you are averaging about 1.4 points per possession when you get to the free throw line. So the free throw is the most valuable shot in the game of basketball. Second most valuable shot is the layup or what I call the scoring zone, five feet in and you uh, or the NBA calls it the restricted area. That's the second most uh efficient area. Uh, the third area in the NBA is the corner three. The fourth area is the above break, above the break free three or uh, the free throw line extended three-point shot. And then the least effective shot is the mid-range jump shot. And within that, the least effective shot within the mid-range is dribble jumpers. And Shea basically says you should prioritize your offense in that order uh, to to get those shots, and then on the flip side of that, take away those shots from the opposition. I thought it was really interesting, another statistic that he threw out here, um, 
he, well, let's talk about the three-point shot a little bit more. Uh, behind the arc, it is much better to have a catch-and-shoot opportunity than be forced to pull up off the dribble. So his real emphasis is catch-and-shoot threes, layups around the rim, and free throws. And he also states that using the three-point shot effectively will actually open up shots from two-point range because teams will gravitate out. They want to take away that three-point shot. They want to challenge that, which will then open up stuff around the rim. You can kind of loosen that up. It used to be, for example, in the 1970s in football, you would you would uh, run the football to set up the play-action pass. Now, uh, football has kind of evolved to where we use the pass to set up the run. Well, kind of the same thing in basketball. We use getting to the rim to open up, opening up the, or we use the three-point shot to open up getting to the rim. And he also says, though, drives are two times as prevalent as corner threes, that it's easier to drive the ball into the lane area than it is to get that corner three shot. But you need the drive in many ways to set up the corner three. Uh, what's some other stuff that we have here? Oh, I thought this was really, really interesting. In the NBA... There's basically, and in basketball in general, you have five basic actions with the ball. You either make a field goal, you miss a field goal, you make a pass, you turn it over, or you draw a foul. Those are, those are the five basic results of when you have the basketball. In the NBA during this 2013-2014 uh, season, uh, NBA players made the field goal that they attempted 9% of the time. They missed 11% of the time. Here's the fascinating statistic. NBA players pass the ball 71% of the time. So 7 out of 10 times that a player touched it in the NBA, they passed it to somebody else. A turnover, 3%, and they drew a foul 2% of the time. So what I think is fascinating about that is passing is, and I'm probably guilty of this as well, we under-teach passing, yet we pass the ball 7 out of 10 times that a player has it. So we need to get back to emphasizing the pass and making a good pass on time, on target, and receiving the pass well. And the statistics line this up. They, it tells the truth here. Um, the more you rest... The more rest you have in between games, the higher your winning percentage goes up, which I found was very interesting. I also thought, here's usage, talking about that percentage with the ball. The highest percentage players that have usage have the ball in their hands. They have the ball in their hands about 17% of the time that they're on the floor. The In the NBA, if a player plays an average of 36 minutes, which that's high-level uh, minutes in the NBA, they have the ball in their hands approximately 6 minutes of that 36 minutes. Otherwise, they're on defense or they're off the ball. So again, we emphasize so much with ball handling and dribbling and doing all this breakdown stuff and all these other things. Vast majority of the game, you don't have the ball in your hands, and, and yet we, we've undertaught playing without the basketball. Uh, some other things is you want to look for players who are what we call adept passers, and it gets back to what we talked about with the passing, 71% of the time the ball is passed in the NBA. Uh, Joe Kim Noah, the, the year of this, this study, the year of this book, uh, he was the most effective player. He averaged 1.6 points per possession where he was part of the ending player, what he called terminated the play, a pass that led to a shot, a pass uh, that, that led to a make, um, him scoring, whatever it may be. Chris Paul was second. Uh, with 1.59 points per possession terminated was the was the terminology used. And so that makes sense because these guys are great passers who know where to hit guys, 
at the end of a play to help them score or get themselves an efficient shot. You know, we're talking about that two-point shot. You know, Chris Paul is not known for his three-point range, but he is brilliant in the mid-range. Well, he's a guy that you turn loose in the mid-range, just like Michael Jordan was not a great three-point shooter, but he was deadly from mid-range. Kobe Bryant, those are the type of guys at the NBA level that you allow to turn loose and let them shoot those pull-up jump shots off the dribble. We at the high school level, we don't obviously have. There's only one Chris Paul, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan per generation. Those guys are obviously very, very difficult to find. But those are the shots that you want to force. Those are the shots that you want to avoid, whether you're on defense or on offense. Uh, he talks about efficiency, and, and the most efficient player, and I know this isn't going to come as too much of a surprise, was LeBron James. He was the most versatile player, according to the studies that he put in. Uh, players like J.J. Redick and, and Kyle Korver, they are very, very efficient players, but they're also specialists. And, and you only can go so far with having specialists on the floor. And this is you know, widely held knowledge. We know this. It's, it's just kind of verifying uh, what was assumed it is verified that these specialists are great to have, but it's hard to win with a bunch of specialists. You need well-rounded players. I thought one of the more fascinating things that uh, the Stephen Shea talked about in this book, Basketball Analytics Spatial Tracking, he talked about new basketball positions instead of play, saying point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, and, and center, or one, two, three, four, five, or whatever it may be. He broke it down into basically 10 positions. Two-way all-stars. That's your KDs. That's your LeBrons. These are the, the, the studs of the studs. Uh, there's f- uh, three or four different types of point guards. Low usage ball handler. That'd be like a Ricky Rubio. Uh, you would have a jump shooting ball handler. That'd be like a Dame Lillard. Uh, you know, three-point ball handler would be like a Steph Curry. A defensive ball handler would be somebody like a Patrick Beverly. And so you have, they're all point guards and we call them point guards, but there's different types of point guards within that position. And so we have that. We have three-point specialists. Again, that's Redick. That's Corver. You have your paint protectors. That's your Rudy Gobert types. Uh, you have your scoring rebounders. That'd be like a Joel Embiid. Uh, you have your inside-out scorers. These are like your stretch four type of guys, your Kevin Loves. Or, I'm sorry, mid-range big men would also fit into there as well. So, you know, it's important that we look at it's not just a point guard, but what kind of point guard do we have? You know, Russell Westbrook and the way he plays as a point guard when he used to play point guard, apparently now he's a, a center for Houston. But the way he played when he handled the ball as a point guard was much different than the way Chris Paul or the way Russell Westbrook, or I'm sorry, uh, James Harden, sorry, wrong, wrong Houston Rocket, uh, the way Steph Curry, the way Dame Lillard, uh, all of these guys. Uh, they're, they're the same position, but they do it differently. It's the way we've kind of reclassified in some ways quarterbacks. And we say, well, they're a pocket uh, quarterback. They're a running quarterback. They're a dual threat quarterback. All of these different ways that we categorize these things. Um, one other thing about shooting and spacing. He, he did a study on LeBron James, and when he was the primary ball handler and how efficient Miami's offense was, and he talked about the importance of spacing in the modern game. When he said there were two floor spacers on the floor with LeBron, He said that season Miami scored about 0.4 points per possession. When there were three floor spacers on the floor with LeBron, they were at about 0.77 points per possession. And when there were four uh, floor spacers on the floor, Miami jumped to 1.3 points per per game, or 1 points per possession. So basically he's saying, obviously, the more shooters you have, the more it, it opens it up for your drivers and the entirety of your offense. 
So I think there's just a bunch of fascinating things in this book. It's a little bit of a thick read. It's not a long book. It's only about 130, 140 pages long. But it gets, you know, there's charts and there's a, a lot of statistical analysis. But I just kind of broke down a lot of this stuff with you. And again, a lot of this is now common knowledge. But I thought there were a lot of different ways of looking at things and what you should be teaching and how you should be teaching in the shots you should be taking and the shots you should be taking away and how you should look at your players. Uh, those different type of point guards, for example. Teams have been successful with a variety of different types of point guards. And you can have different combinations of those players. You just can't overlap them too much. So this has been uh, book club number 25, spatial, uh, Basketball Analytics Spatial Tracking by Stephen Shea, Ph.D. I encourage you to, to, to find it on Amazon. It's a pretty cheap buy. Uh, and, and I got through it in about a week or so and, and got a lot of good things out of it. Uh, if you're listening, you're on SoundCloud or iTunes, so like, rate, review, give us five stars, forward this out to like-minded folks. Again, we just want to help people out. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, a pen and a napkin. Try to put daily stuff out there uh, on the Twitter feed. So, coaches, stay safe. Let's pray for peace. And as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time. <laughs>